Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Tony Ria. Once again, good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you with us. It's good to see your smiling faces. Hope we can keep that smile all during the time of the message. Um, today is the first Sunday in August, August 2021. It's also our Communion Sunday. <clears throat> and in just a couple of minutes, we're going to be gathering around the communion table and receive the bread and the cup and celebrate all that Jesus has done for us. We've been singing about that all morning. I look forward to doing that a little bit later on in the service. And again, I'll lead you through it. But first, before communion, and as we get started here this morning, what I'd like to do is ask you a couple of questions. Although I'm not looking for a show of hands or a verbal response. <clears throat> all I'm going to ask is that you just be honest. Can you do that? Just be truthful with yourself. And even though I have a specific purpose in asking you some of these questions, this exercise is designed for us to have a little bit of fun this morning, okay? So don't take it too seriously. Don't overthink it. Just go with it. Can I get you to do that? Thank you, Candy. Appreciate that. All right, here's the question. What do you do more of? What do you do more of? On average, or under normal circumstances, what defines you? I'm going to give you two options now, and I'm going to ask you to choose the response that best describes you. Are you ready? All right. What do you do more of? Smile or frown? And remember, you're in church, and God is watching. Those of you at home, God's watching you too. What do you do more of? Smile or frown? Talk or listen? Appreciate or complain? Encourage or discourage? You know, encourage others or punch holes in everybody's ideas. What do you do more of? Criticize or compliment? Exercise diplomacy in your communication or respond in a direct and straightforward manner? Last one, what do you do more of? Keep a secret or share the story? And while you think about all that, we're in the middle of our summer series where we're taking a look at the top 10 Bible verses from last year in 2020. The 10 most downloaded and shared Bible verses. And this information about the popularity of these 10 verses comes to us via version or the Bible app, encompassing over 300 million users. And according to the data, people of all ages and all backgrounds use the app. And so what we're telling you, what we're giving you, is pretty reliable information. And the passage of Scripture that we're going to be talking about today, one of the ten, is found in the book of Philippians. And this particular verse of scripture emphasizes the importance of our thought life. What we meditate on. What we think about. What we imagine. What we consider. What we dwell on. That's why I asked you all those questions. I want to get you thinking a little bit. And this Bible verse, Philippians 4, 8, reads like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, 
Whatever is what? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what? Think about these things. If there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, just as important as our behavior and actions, just as critical as our words and our communication is this thing called our thought life. What goes on up here and in here? In fact, I dare say what develops and swirls around in the head and in the heart tremendously influences every other aspect of our lives. And I have Solomon's backing on that statement. And how many of you remember? Solomon's a pretty sharp guy. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, Solomon said, As he, or as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. According to Solomon in Proverbs 23, where does the thought process take place? In the heart and in the head. That's the mind. It's not just in the head, not just in the mind. Solomon said it's in the heart that we process these things. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 45, Jesus said it this way. You know this one well. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what we say or communicate and how we behave, act, and at times react it all originates with our thoughts. And Paul gets all the way to the end of this compelling letter to the church at Philippi, and he appeals to us. And Paul says, if you really want to walk in the peace that God provides, if we really want to reduce and minimize the conflict that we face, and if we have a desire to experience the power of spiritual transformation, then we have to proactively discipline heart and mind. I'm going to say that again because that was a really good opportunity for you to say amen, Tony. Amen. If we want to be the kind of people that God has called us to be, if we want to have peace and we want to have joy and we want to be able to trust God and live this life shining His glory, we have to discipline heart and mind. We have to go after that. And we have to fixate and focus on aspects of life that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is what Paul's communicating to us. And in Philippians 4.8, he provides us with the perfect place to start. He gives us a list of six outstanding qualities or traits that we can amplify and magnify in our minds. Here they are one more time. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. And here's what Paul says about these six traits. Here's his sincere appeal to us. Think. Think about these things. Think about what I just said. 
The, the message Bible says, fill your minds and meditate on these. And that is a precise and extremely accurate interpretation of Paul's statement. Think, consider, examine, dwell on, and meditate, allowing your mind to consume these thoughts and these things. And the Philippians 4 instruction is to renew your mindset. It's to reprogram, reorganize, remodel. It literally means to take these six qualities and make them the new default or the new pattern of thoughts that you have. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. Are you getting this? I'm making a big deal about it. Because these are not the things that we've been thinking about. This is not the activity that we've had going on in our minds for the past year. We've had some other thought processes. We've had some other things going on and consuming our minds and our thoughts. And in Philippians 4.8, Paul says, here's what I want you to think about. If you want to get to the place of receiving the best that God has to offer, you have to reprogram your mind and you have to dwell on these kinds of things. So let's just say that tomorrow morning you wake up, Monday morning, after a better than average weekend, and you jump out of bed and you have a smile on your face. I mean, you're loving life and you're ready to face the day. And you look outside and you can't believe it. It's raining again. I mean, how could it be raining again? But it's raining again. So you grab your phone, you go to the Weather Channel app, and the forecast for the whole day is clouds and rain with a slight chance, just a little 10% chance of a peak of sun sometime middle afternoon. How many of you know right then and there you have a choice to make? Are you going to cheer for the 10% sunshine? Or are you going to allow that rainy forecast to dictate your emotions and possibly ruin your day? And I'll be the first to admit, I love the sun. There's no one who loves the sun more than I do. I am a sun lover. I don't worship the sun, not the S-U-N. I worship the S-O-N. But I absolutely love when that little brilliant yellow guy or gal is shining in all of its glory. And no, I'm not fond of gray clouds and rain, especially when it comes in long stretches in the middle of the summer. If I had it my way, it would only rain at night. And I'd figure out a way to deal with all the bugs and the bacterial fungus in the grass. We'd work on that. And when I plan an outdoor event or activity, like a church-wide barbecue, and it rains, like everyone else, I'm disappointed. I mean, who wants it to rain on their parade? But here's the truth, and you can ask anyone who knows me, I absolutely refuse to let rain control my emotions. I won't do it. I will not let bad weather dictate the frame of mind that I have. Now, follow me here, because I'm going to make a, a shift without the clutch. <laughs> I don't wait for stormy weather or for the storms of life to come and then hash out my emotional posture. I'll say that again. I don't wait for the stormy weather to come and then decide how I'm going to react. If I did that, I would probably lose the battle and find myself down in the dumps all the time. 
for me, I mentally prepare for a rainy day, check it out, when the sun is shining. I prepare for stormy weather when it's nice outside, when it's clear. In other words, I don't check to see if the anchor is functioning in the middle of the storm. I make sure that the anchor is in good working order when the forecast is good. And I sincerely appreciate you allowing me to use this simplistic illustration of rainy weather to make this point. But the fact of the matter is, you can apply this exact same formula to every dimension of your life. And if you don't believe me, just ask the Navy SEALs. The United States Navy SEALs absolutely love what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. In fact, here's their mantra. Here's what the Navy SEALs preach to all of their teammates. The more we sweat in peacetime, the less we bleed in wartime. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. What a statement. What a model. The more we sweat in peacetime, the less we bleed in wartime. You see, the Navy SEALs, they accomplish successful missions and dangerous operations because they are sold out to preparation and training. You may not know this, but Navy SEALs, they train every single day, 8 to 10 hours a day. They don't take a day off. They don't get Sundays off. They are 100% committed to training. And if a Navy SEAL, by chance, is killed accidentally during a training exercise or a training mission, not the real thing, just training, nobody considers that a tragedy. Are you kidding me? They celebrate that SEAL's sacrifice. And that particular Navy SEAL becomes a war hero. That's the value that Navy SEALs place on preparation and training, making sure they're ready when it's showtime. And when it comes to healthy emotions and right thinking, Paul basically says Philippians 4.8 is the benchmark. And now I mean practicing praiseworthy thinking, excellent thinking every day, especially when the sun is shining, especially when the weather is good and everything's going your way. Proactively, Focusing on the good things that God is doing. Building yourself up in your most holy faith. Thanking God for every gift that he's given to you. Now I'm talking about every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights. That's what the scripture says. Everything we have is good. And right now, if you're having a difficult time identifying some of those blessings that I'm talking about, you come and see me. And I don't say that sarcastically, I say it sincerely. I like to sit down with you, make a list, and prove to you from the Word of God how faithful God has been to you. That's right. That God has not failed you. He has not let you down. And not for a minute am I minimizing hardship and adversity. Come on. We've been through a dark and dismal time. 18 months of gloom. Enough conflict, enough challenge to last a lifetime. But the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. And the scripture says one of the promises that he's made is he will meet and supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You see, God is the ultimate way maker. 
He makes a way where there is no way. That's what the scripture says. It's more than a song. It's a truth. God makes a way. Isaiah 43, 19 says this. God speaking. For I am about to do something new. How many believe that? How many believe that God's about to do something new? He's always about something new. I have already begun. Do you not see it? Beyond your natural eyes, but with your spirit, man, do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the wasteland. The New International Version says streams in the desert place. That's the nature and the character of our God. He is Jehovah Jireh continually proving and revealing himself to us as our provider. And for you right now, if provision is scarce, and it just seems like the windows of heaven are locked tight, I mean jammed up, and life is not going your way, that's when healthy thinking, right thinking, and praiseworthy thinking should automatically kick in. Why? Because during the good weather, you've been exercising faith. During the good seasons, you've been doing the necessary things to bring faith so that you would have enough faith during the dark seasons. Again, the more we sweat in peacetime, the less we bleed in wartime. Now, everything that Paul encourages us to do in Philippians 4.8 comes on the heels of what he instructs us to do in verse 4, Philippians 4.4. Here it is. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul says, if you didn't catch it the first time around, let me go ahead and repeat it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Two quick questions. Number one, according to Philippians 4.4, when are we supposed to rejoice? When? Always. Last time I checked, always means at all times, in every situation, regardless of the circumstances. And Paul said it twice. Second question, again, according to Philippians 4.4, 4, what are we supposed to rejoice in? In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Paul didn't say when you're going through a pandemic, rejoice in the pandemic. He didn't say rejoice in sickness or rejoice in suffering or when you're broke. He said no matter the weather, weather pattern, regardless of what you're going through, find enough joy for you and yourself. That's what rejoicing is. By focusing your attention on who God is and what God has already done. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. And in Philippians 4, that chapter, if you read it carefully, Paul gives us the joy formula. He spells it out for us. And he says there are basically four pieces to the rejoice in the Lord puzzle. Here they are. Number one, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Blessing that includes giving and receiving. Godliness with contentment. And finally, number four, healthy thinking. One more time. 
Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Blessing that comes from giving and receiving. Godliness with contentment. And healthy thinking. You see, when we cry out to God or when we pray to God, we normally focus in on the need. Am I right? And that's okay. Because God wants us to make our requests known to him. He wants us to come to him and he wants us to tell him what we need. But Paul says here that the secret to prayer is to pray with thanksgiving. You got to sprinkle in a little thanksgiving. Because when you come to God with a need, thanksgiving reroutes the focus from your need to the God who can supply your need, the God who's more than enough. The same is true with the other three elements in the joy equation. Blessing, contentment, and right thinking. When the focus is you and what you're going through and how stormy the weather is and how bad the situation is, that sometimes leads to discouragement and despair. But when the focus becomes God and what he has done and who he is and how faithful he's been and how much he's given to us over and over again, that's when we can find confidence and hope in God. And so the key to maintaining your joy is to rejoice in the Lord always. This is all in Philippians chapter 4. Now, you may say amen. You may say, I agree with everything you just said, Pastor. You went through that in 15 or 20 minutes, and it's how I live. In fact, I have memorized Philippians 4 8. It's one of my favorite verses of Scripture. And under normal circumstances, that describes me. And typically I put a a smile on my face and I pass out joy and encouragement like it's going out of style. But this past year or so, something broke inside of me. I don't have any other way to explain it. I don't know how to say it any differently. I'm just not the same person that I used to be. I can't seem to get a handle on my emotions. I'm easily agitated, upset. I become impatient. And even when I fight it, I find myself becoming negative and critical. I understand that. Trust me, I get it. And maybe it's been all of that COVID sickness and death. Maybe all the controversy surrounding the virus, and it looks like it's not over with yet. Not the virus or the controversy. The political attacks, the racial divide. The contrary, opposing, hate-filled opinions on the part of people. Not to mention the ongoing intense spiritual warfare. Listen, we have been on adverse and unfavorable news overload for the past 18 months. No wonder we all have an axe to grind. But friends, it's time. Scratch that. It's high time that we come to our spiritual senses and turn this thing around. 
If the church doesn't do it, it's not going to be done. We've got to make a change. We've got to shift. And Paul gives us a starting point. The very first step that we can take. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, and commendable, whatever is excellent and worthy of praise, think about these things. Allow these things to consume your mind and your heart. And at the very top of the list is this thing called truth. Say that. Truth. Whatever is true. Whatever is true. And right about now, if like Pilate punches Pilate, your response to that statement is, Pastor, what is truth? Let me pass along to you and give you the only thing that I have confidence in, the only true thing I know about these days, his name is Jesus. That's the only truth that I'm aware of. His name is Jesus. We sang about him all morning. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. He described himself to us that way. You get all the way over to the book of Revelation in in Revelation chapter 19. And in this ongoing vision that John the apostle had, he sees a warrior on a white horse. Remember that? That warrior is Jesus. And he's introduced with the name faithful and true. He's faithful and he's true. And some of you need to be reminded of that. That Jesus is the truth. He's still on the throne. He's still calling the shots. He still cares about you. And he has something up his sleeve and in store for us today. It's new and it's good. Uh, You heard Joy last week talk about the plan that God has for us. It's a good plan. It's always a good plan. And he has that plan for us. And as we make our way to the communion table this morning, I'm going to ask you to focus your attention upon him, upon Jesus, every one of you. It doesn't matter if you've been in church for the past 30 years or if this is your first time inside the church or watching online, I'm going to call your attention to Jesus. That's our focal point this morning. And so, Father, we're asking that something would shift today. Lord, please allow this to be more than just another sermon that we sit through, that we listen to, that we agree with or disagree with. I pray that you would open up our spiritual eyes and our spiritual understanding and that we would make a commitment to take this one powerful verse of scripture, Philippians 4, 8, where Paul appeals to us and he says, I want you to change your mindset. I want you to reorganize what goes on in the mind and in the heart and your thought process. And I want you to dwell. And I want you to think about everything that's true and everything that's right and everything that's positive. Not the debatable issues, not the unbearable issues, 
nothing that's ugly. Think about these things. Spirit of the living God, do something among your people today. We've got to turn this thing around. We cannot continue to walk in the same critical path. Bump us off dead center this morning, Lord, today. And do it during this communion service, we pray. That song we just sung together tells the gospel story. I, I can't tell it any better than the words of that song. Here's the gospel message of Jesus Christ in a nutshell. We have all sinned. That's what the scripture says. No exceptions. Every single one of us have come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark. We've all made mistakes. We've all rebelled against God. And because of our sin, because of our rebellion, we were destined to suffer in eternity without God. We had no hope of being with God. No chance of ever leaving this life and going to spend time with our Heavenly Father. We were destined for death and hell. But the scripture tells us that as a part of God's plan, nobody knew about it, just God. It seemed like he called an audible, but in reality, it was his plan from the beginning. You can trace it all the way back to the book of Genesis. He sent his son to die in our place. John 3.16, the hallmark verse of the Christian faith tells us that. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now instead of death and darkness and destruction, because of what Jesus did, we have the promise of an eternity with God forever and ever. See, Jesus went to the cross. That's what this communion service is all about. He went to the cross and he died there for the sins of the world. He died for your sin and he died for my sin. He died in our place. He shed his own blood. He became the final sacrifice. And like Pastor Tyler mentioned a few moments ago, he said, it is finished. There remains no more sacrifice for sin. But he didn't stay dead. Some people still have him in the grave. He's not there. No, the scripture tells us that he overcame death, hell, and the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for us. And you know what he wants? You know what he desires? He desires salvation for all men. That's what he's doing. That's what he desires. He's patiently waiting for every single man and woman to choose him. And he's leading us in that direction. He wants us to come to salvation. He wants to spend an eternity with you and with me forever and ever. The scripture says all we have to do is believe that. To accept it. To repent of our sins and confess he is Lord. Again, the scripture says in Romans 10, 9, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved.
We've been praying for you this morning. All of you. Everyone here, everyone listening, everyone who listened later on. Watch it next week, next month. It doesn't matter. We've been praying for you. Because some of you have yet to make a full and complete commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have not fully surrendered your heart to him. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you have your own tradition, your own religion. But you've not bowed your knee at that cross. You've not confessed his lordship. But you know what? He's calling out to you today. He's knocking on the door of your heart. You can feel it. I can feel it. As I was sitting and standing there during that song, I could just sense the spirit of the living God calling out to people. See, that's why there's dark times. That's why there's storms. Because you know what? We can hear a little bit better in the storm. We get, you know, God can get our attention. And it's been over this darkness that many people have come to know him and he's still reaching out. Don't deny the spirit of the Lord today. If he's calling your name, respond to him. Today could be your day. And for those of you who are just struggling with life in general, if you're perplexed, if you're upset, if you don't know what the future holds because of all of the stuff that's been going on, how about we take one step toward God? One more step. And how about we listen to that prophetic word that we had a couple of months ago in June where the Lord specifically said for us to go and get all of our stuff back, including our faith, including our joy, including our trust in him. It's time to do this, my friends. Let's not continue along the same path. Can I get you to just bow your heads for a moment? I want to give those of you who are here and those of you online who have not made a full commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to do that this morning, or maybe you know you're in a place where you shouldn't be. I hesitate to call it backslidden, but you're not as near or close to God as you once were. And you just like to come back and be in that good place with God. Could I get you to just raise your hand and put it back down? Thank you. Appreciate the hands. Anyone else? If you're online, there's a little tab there you can press. Just go ahead and press that. Father, see these hands, see these hearts. We, we repent of our sins, Lord. We ask for you to forgive us our, our trespasses, our transgressions, our times of doubting you, rebelling against you. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. Not just for everyone else but for me. And for those of you who are struggling, Father, I pray that today would be a day of visitation. Today would be a day that mindsets would change, that peace and joy would replace the anxiety and the stress and the discouragement. And that, Lord, we would learn what it means to exercise our faith when times are good to seek our God when times are good, to go after God when, our, when times are good, when the sun is shining, because that will take us all the way through the storms of life. It was on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, 
which is for you. It's broken for you. You see, we live in a broken world. There's pain and heartache all around us. But Isaiah saw the cross about 700 years before it happened. You know what he said in response? The body of Jesus is going to be beat up pretty bad. He's going to be wounded. He's going to be crushed. He's going to take a lot of punishment. But by his stripes and by his wounds, we are healed. There's healing for our brokenness. Let's take the bread together. And after supper, then Jesus took the cup. Again, he gave thanks. He passed the cup to his disciples and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you declare the Lord's death till he comes. His death so that we could live. Let's take the cup together. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.